How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Options Action and the following message is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Get elite-level trading tools and powerful resources from TD Ameritrade. Trader-made, trader-tested, trader-approved. Hey there, we're live at the Nasdaq Market Like The guys here getting ready behind me. Here's what's coming up in the show. There's no hotter trade than home improvement. And there's one stock flashing a major buy sign. We'll break it down. Plus... How would you like to buy shares of surging Intel for less than a buck? We'll show you how to do it for less. And one battered group of stocks may have just found a floor. We'll give you the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And let's get right to it because rates have been on a tear this month. The yield on the U.S. 10-year hitting its highest level since July, sending bond prices tumbling. So will the rise in rates continue? And what will it mean for the markets? Let's get right in the money right now. Dan. Well, it's really exciting that we have this unprecedented 3% GDP growth in Q3, uh, unprecedented. So, you know, who knows? I mean, there should be no reason why rates should not be able to rally with a 3% economy, right? Do you guys all agree with that? And, you know, and for a lot of purposes, I mean, I would say, and I'm being a little facetious, a little sarcastic. <laughs> One quarter of 3% annualized does not, growth oh, does not okay. make 3% annual growth. I, I guess my point is, is that, you know, we, we, were thinking about, we were thinking about what a quick rise in interest rates would mean when, as we go into QT, as we go into a rate tightening cycle, we know that there's, what, only been two rate increases this year. Um, so we're going to get a third in December. Um, but the 10-year Treasury yield is still below levels that it was a year ago. You know what I mean? So for all intents and purposes, to me, it seems a bit range-bound. We know that the one thing that bears will point to or potential people looking for a pullback would be if rates rise too quickly, too fast. And we know that Janet Yellen is a little bit on the hot seat here. Um, so I suspect that we get this really this push and pull between dovish and uh, I mean, the, know, the Fed balance sheet obviously is is one of the levers that they have. But, you know, we also have global levers in play that Yellen does not control. And the fact is that even as our own central bank begins to tighten, that is not really the policy anywhere else on Earth. And money flows very easily. But it's changing, though, Mike. I mean, isn't that one of the stories right now is that, that, you know, we went from dovish central banks all over the world, and we were the ones actually starting to tighten a little bit, and now it seems like everyone's kind of falling in right. line. The narrative has changed. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the key thing is this, and we'll, we'll look at some charges, that think about where we were to start the year, 265, and consensus was for three and a quarter. Yeah. And here we are in October, and we're sitting here debating about 2223. I mean, they, I think that's the... That's the big subject, that nothing's happened. But yeah, maybe yeah. I'll... Uh, yeah, so, Carly, I mean, you're, you say the rates are about to back up, right? I, I think so. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to come off here a bit. We've, we've just moved up pretty, uh, pretty aggressively. And so let's see if we can draw some lines. All right. Um, you see the chart, 10-year yield. Uh, one thing we could do is the following. There's a pretty well-defined channel, and it is lived within this channel all year. In fact, there's a lot of symmetry between the order of magnitude and the duration of these counter trend moves. Let's take a look. For starters, these are all the moves we've had. One, two, three, four, five. And look how similar. 25 base points, 32, 26, 29, 34. Now what about duration? 
number of sessions, 10 sessions to two weeks. So two weeks, eight, two weeks, 12, three weeks, 17, three weeks, two to three weeks, all between 25 and 35 base points. I'm not sure anything's changed. Um, and let's say it does press on a little bit. So what? The rates are low, and I'm not sure it's enough to really change the, 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 the backdrop for banks and all the things that are expected. In any event, um, I'm going to make a bet that utilities can bounce here. Two ways I would draw the line. One, that we've kind of come back to support. Two, that we're on this trend line. But either way, I think you've got a pretty good chance of, after this 5-6% sell-off in the XLU, for a bounce here. I want to be long at this point. So utilities for a bounce, Mike, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to always go along with Carter, or most of the time I'll go along with Carter. <laughs> you know, one of the nice things about uh, trading something like XLU is that it's one of those places where options are really, really cheap. And when they are extremely inexpensive, if you're trying to make a directional bet, like you're trying to make a, a, basically a trend-type trade, it sets up really nicely for that. And I think this is certainly one of those cases. And, and I think we could talk about it a little bit more. But I was just looking out to January. To the 53 calls, you could spend about $1.45 for those. Those are the at-the-money calls. Doesn't take a very big move at all for these things to be profitable. On top of that, you know, you're risking you know, a little bit less than 3% of the current price of XLU uh, to make that bullish bet. So if that trend proves to be unfounded, then uh, you're really not risking a great deal. You know, one thing that was really interesting about the charts is that that's clearly a downtrend. Um, you know, that being said, so, so could you have a pullback in the 10-year yield? And would people, I guess the question I was saying, would they rush back into, like, the XLU or something? It's acted pretty well. It's kind of an expensive sector. You know, we had this conversation all the time about growth versus value, that sort of thing. I mean, I guess where I shake out on the whole rate trade, just on, on your trade, though, it makes sense. To your point, options are cheap, and, and it does set up technically and that sort of thing. I, I, I would just say that, like, if the market... And the economy and all the stuff that we talk about every night on this desk are as good as we think it is, right? And it's all happening around the world at the same time. You know, stock markets should be able to go up with rising rates. They just should be. And, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes. And we just have had nothing. So what it tells me, though, is like, what's wrong here? You know what I mean? Why is it that rates can't go up? Because everything else is saying all systems go. You know what? One thing I would quickly throw out also, and that is that XLU is not like trading TLT. All right? So TLT is a fixed income instrument, all right? XLU sometimes trades like fixed income, but it isn't. You know, these are utility companies. Many times you have regulated regulations that can impact their earnings, and it's obviously a capital-intensive business. But earnings can rise in the sector, and I think that's an important thing to remember, that in that way, it's probably more like trading an inflation-adjusted instrument rather than a fixed income instrument. Right. And like, like for instance, we look how bad stables have been, which are obviously tied to this. But right. stables have risks that are associated with the operating businesses that utilities don't. I mean, some of those businesses are under real pressure for structural reasons, whereas utilities as an aggregate are going to trade true. I mean, either rates are going to move higher and this XLU will not bounce, or in fact, rates don't do much and the XLU is down to a pretty good rebound job. And utilities over telecom, because telecom's also sort of in this dividend yielding basket. Right, but there too, it's having to do with their businesses, their market share, and all that stuff. And T and VZ are acting quite differently of late as well. Yeah. You know, one final thing I would say where utilities are concerned, and we're thinking about the ability for them to maximize generation number one, storage from batteries if you have cars in the garage that are electric plus the fact that you have electric cars. So that is a potential driver that you could think about that I think is a little bit different than some of those other sectors we just mentioned. All right, now to a group of stocks that have been on fire this year. Yep, you guessed it. The chips, the SMH semiconductor ETF surging nearly 30% in 2017, and the rally just keeps getting hotter. Micron, Applied Materials,
Real Cypress Semi, Intel, some of the top performers in the last month, up double digits. So are any of these names still a buy? All right, so, Damn. you know, second, second try is going to be a charm here. Because last week, I picked the one semiconductor <laughs> stock that did close down on this week. Um, but I want to look at Intel this week. And one of the reasons here is that, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are going for this company right now. I think they've been digesting uh, a couple really big acquisitions. They bought Altera in 2015 for $17 billion. In 2016, they bought um, Autonomous Car uh, chip maker Mobileye for $15 billion. There was a couple um, AI deals in between that. I think this is a company that is really pretty dead set on not missing the next big technology trends the way they kind of missed mobile over the last 10 years. So when I look at Intel here, I think there's a really interesting setup. We have a couple charts right here. This is a five year. It's banging up against, um, you know, the 52 week high was made earlier this year, 3845. They get through that. You can see very clearly that's a multi-year high. And then we have a 20 year chart. Look at this thing. This is one of the really few mega cap tech stocks. I know Carter has been talking about this on Fast Money on a couple occasions over the last couple months um, that really has, you know, a ton of room to go. And so just Lastly, thing trades at about 12 and a half times, well below a market multiple. So to me, my bear, uh, bullish thesis on this stock for most of this year is that they're going to digest these deals. If we could ever get something of high single digits earnings growth, okay, from some cost cutting and some other things that people are not expecting, you're expecting a $3 earnings number. This stock could easily be re-rated back to Probably, I don't know, 13, 14 times you have a $45, $46 stock. And I think investors will start thinking about that now. Options prices are cheap. I'm looking at their, uh, I'm looking at their earnings event. It's going to be on October 26th. So I want to look at October 27th weekly options. I just want to target this event. I've been long this stock. And I'm considering this as a stock replacement strategy. Option prices are cheap. When the stock today was trading at 38.05, you could buy the October 27th weekly 38 calls for 85 cents. If you do the math right there, that's about 2.2% of the stock price. The stock has just rallied 10%. It's at that massive resistance level. If there is a beat and raise, the stock is going higher. And it's, you know, I think you probably see in low 40s. You know, we rarely talk about the ability to essentially rent options for nothing, but this is actually one of those circumstances. So what's going to happen is because they captured the earnings event, these are actually not going to decay the way an option of this tenor normally would. Effectively, if the stock rallies ahead of the earnings event, you will actually have an opportunity potentially to monetize this thing with minimal decay in the meantime. And then, of course, if you don't get a move, you can sit there at that point and make a determination whether you want to stay long using this. So I really like this trade a lot. It's poised. I mean, that's what that is, those precise levels. And, and also, uh, Intel was so not liked as this was all going on because it was not M&A related and all this stuff. But we do know that other large cap sort of mature tech names have all been quite good. Microsoft's been good. Oracle, until the recent setback, quite good. Um, I would think this ultimately is going to break out, will catch up, and will do what the chart implies, and it was probably because of the earnings that you're looking at. When I mean, you say ultimately, though, break out, do you think the October catalyst is going to be that ultimate, I mean, does that fit the ultimate timeline in your view? Sure. So the, the 38 level, and you saw the charts that Dan put there, is very precise. It's not only the tops over the past, let's say, year, but it goes back to 2014, all in the context of that huge base. Uh, so that even, let's say, even if it doesn't work, you've got limited downside, presumptively, with a setup like that. So it's a kind of a heads you win, tails you win. I, I just want to leave everybody with this one last idea, which is that this is a stock that moves about 3.5% on average the day that they announce earnings, okay? So if you think about it, that straddle, the 38 call plus the 38 put, should be worth about 3.5% of the stock price the day before they announce, all right? Right now, it's only $1.60. 
So you can think about just how little decay you're likely to experience unless some material bit of news comes out in the meantime. And if it does, you're going to be glad you owned options instead of stock. Yeah, so, so those options, 80, 85 cents, I, I, you know, depending upon where it was trading when I priced it up today. But you think about it, I, I can tell you this. On October 25th, the day before earnings, I think that at the money straddle, what Mike is talking about, the call and the put premium together is probably going to be about a buck forty, a buck fifty, something like that. So you basically get a free look at this. And just real quickly to answer your question about that exact date, right. I don't know what the numbers are. Okay. Of course. But I'm just telling you this that if they have a beaten raise, okay, the sentiment is so bad. This stock is only up five percent. You said it yourself. The socks, the semiconductor ETF, this year is up thirty percent. This stock is the second largest name in that group. It will play some very quick catch up. Yep. Yeah. And gives you a little dividend too, which is unlike most semis. That's true. That's true. 28%. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can check out our super cool newsletter. Rumor has it, Mike Co. reads it every night before bed. So why not you? Here's what's coming up next. Here's the market, and here's your portfolio. And we'll give you the stock that will catch you up. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. The Dow just saw its best first three quarters of the year since 2013, and it was a dream team of stocks like Boeing, Visa, Caterpillar, Apple, and McDonald's that paved the way. But if you missed the rally, are there any other names you can play catch-up with into the year-end? So Carter's got some clues. Carter? I'm going to look at Home Depot. I mean, obviously, it's making all-time highs, 52-week highs. Uh, but it's really lagged in many ways certain key aggregates of which it is a big part. Okay, a few charts to that end. Home Depot, which is here compared to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, basically over the past 18 months. And what we see quite clearly is, well, it might not seem like a lot, you know, still, you're talking about underperformance at this point, and I think that's going to be sort of um, narrowed. Home Depot versus the Dow. Here's another way to look at it. Home Depot versus the S&P, albeit barely, but still, here too, lagging. Let's go again. Here is the S&P 500 Pure Growth ETF. This is a growth stock, and it is lagged this as well. I think there's an opportunity here. Let's look at the charts. A little bit of data. This refers to what I was just talking about. Um, onto the charts. Ready? I'm not sure we're moving, but let me do it. You saw that. Let's go forward again. Here we go. All right. Take a look at this. Got some lines coming. That's a heck of a setup. So the presumption is a breakout from these well-defined tops. I think that's an opportunity. We close at 163 today. Take a look at where the stock is in relation to the five-year channel. It has been just in the middle. So were we to get back towards the highs, which I think is every distinct possibility, you've got uh, 10, 12, 15 points, and it's probably the earnings that does it. I want to be long Home Depot. I like it. All right. So, Mike, what's your trade on HD? 
Well, I'm trying to take advantage actually of some of the same dynamics that Dan has in his Intel trade. I'd like to be long the options that are going to capture in their November earnings event. And I have a feeling that whatever happens in the meantime is likely to be gradual. They've probably gotten a little bit of a bounce, I think, because people are expecting a short one-term basically pop due to probably a lot of home improvements that are going to be going on, unfortunately, due to a lot of these storms. So specifically what I'm looking at is the 165 October-January call spread. I could buy the January 165s for 465 when I was looking at this earlier today, sell the October 165s at a buck 05. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm getting long that longer dated call, taking advantage of the fact that I don't think there's a whole lot in those pre-earnings options. Do you like Home Depot? Do you like the trade? Why? So uh, the chart is, it's a beautiful breakout. And it was one of the strongest names throughout the last, what, year and a half mm -hmm. of this rally. And it really bucked a lot of trends when we saw things in 2016. Prior leaders fail. It never failed. It kept on going. So I agree with your technical take. Um, as far as the trade, I love calendar. So what Mike's doing, he's selling that shorter dated one. And he's setting up to own the longer dated one. Um, the only thing with a stock that has momentum like this is, are you getting too cute with selling that October 165? You have three weeks where this thing could just blow right through it. He just said, what, 12, 15 points or something like that? Who knows? So to me, I kind of think if you're playing for that breakout and you believe in his charts and you like the fundamental setup into, let's say, November sell, you know, holiday selling season, then I think you actually just buy a January call spread or something like that and you sit with it. I mean, rather than getting too cute. You won't lose money if that stock goes up 3 $4 in the next few weeks. No, I mean, even, even more than that, prob probably, because you can think about that 165 strike is still that January option is still going to have at least 3 bucks worth of but premium I, in it that the October's do not. I do hear what you're saying. We get all these inputs right, and then you get the trade structure wrong. I'm just saying it's a little tight. It's a, it is a, it's an absolutely fair point yeah. that if you are looking to get a little bit more leverage yeah. to the upside, a dollar for the oct calls is not a great deal on a $165 stock. I mean, we'll be, we'll be very clear about that. These options, like so many of them, are cheap. And options are cheap for a good reason. I mean, we've obviously had very, very low volatility. And, you know, fundamentally, this is, you know, of the two, between this and Lowe's, this is clearly the better company. It's a better managed company. It has, you're talking about twice GDP growth on the revenue side. And a better and five chart. times in earnings. And a better much chart. better chart than Lowe's. Yes, and it will a lot probably of be earnings, as is often the case, that something fundamental that resolves the technical setup. Up next, credit card stocks surging. Our own Dan Nathan says one of those names right there could go even higher. Plus, got a question? Send us a tweet to at Options Action. If it's nice, we will answer it later in the show. More Options Action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, two weeks ago, Dan made a bet that American Express was going to break out. To me, I think that this thing plays some catch-up. Implied volatility, the price of options is very cheap. I think you want to target that earnings event in mid-October. And to me, this is really an easy one. With a vol as low as it is, look out. When the stock was trading today at 86.80, you could buy the October 87.5 calls, paying $1.40. Well, it looks like Dan's bet worked out since the time of the trade. American Express shares are up 4% and just hit a 52-week high today. So, Dan, what is your next move? So this is how you trade the options. You don't have to read a book to learn how to trade the options. You should, though. Okay. I've got one. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike's has got a great book. All right, here's the deal. Those cost $1.40. The stock is now at ninety thirty. okay? Those are worth $3.40. I think you do. You roll them up. You take profits on the 87 and a half strike, and then you look out, and you said you originally paid one forty. You made $2 in profits. The October 91 calls are offered at $1.40, okay? I'd buy those, and I have a break-even now at ninety two forty. but I was targeting a move back to 95 on that earnings event, and I think that's how you do it. You 
you roll up that premium and basically you've locked in you can't lose you can lose the new premium that you committed to it but you can't lose from the uh, initial trade and you're booking two dollars all right also two weeks ago cohen carter said mcdonald's run was done my guess is is that we're just going to check back check back check back the trend so I want to fade McDonald's here. If I'm long, I want to take profits. And if I'm a short seller, I think I can get a nice uh, 5 to 8% sell-off. I'm looking at the December 155, 145 put spread. That's a $10 wide put spread. goes all the way up to December. You can spend just $2.5 for that. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for the stock. Since their bearish bet, McDonald's fell more than 2% and then recovered some of the losses. So, Carter, what do you say? Uh, oh, stick the with it say? for sure in the yeah. sense that it's done nothing and the market's surging, which is massive underperformance. That's a great setup for further trouble. We have plenty of time here. This thing has almost no decay. I'd stay with it. All right. Up next, tweets and the final call from the options pits. tweets first one is from josh he asks why would you use a debit spread versus a credit spread and vice versa mike if you're expecting a big move and options are cheap you spend money that's debit and if you're expecting small moves and they're expensive credit spread all right next one is how do you determine when to roll up or roll down in an active trade yeah good question and we kind of hit that with the american express trade so here's a situation where the call that you were long is in the money so now i'm going to take some of those profits and i'm going to roll it up out of the money and define my risk a little better all right, time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits, Carter Braxmore. I want to be offensive and buy Home Depot. I want to be defensive and buy XLU. I like Depot, but I really like the Intel call, i got to say. Yeah, Man. so, I mean, the intel, this is really important because you got to get October 27th weekly, not the October regulars, because earnings fall on the 26th, so I like those calls. All right, it looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. For more Options Action, uh, you can check out our website. Meantime, we'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.